I said amen. amen. If you believe that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you this evening, say another amen. amen. Now, I want us to declare that word once more, this time around with better conviction. The first time, it's as if we are just waking up, all right? Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding, as a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I am bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to His word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I said amen. Amen. I said amen. Amen. The word will enter you today and give you healing in every area in the name of Jesus Christ. So the one who is confused, direction has come to you today in the name of Jesus. All right, let's take our seats. As you are sitting down, greet somebody, welcome somebody again. Tell the person, welcome to the presence of the word of God. Welcome to a transformation time. Greet somebody, say welcome to a transformation time. Welcome to the presence of the word of God. Welcome to healing time. All right. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Okay, let's open our Bibles to the book of um, Romans chapter 10. We want, just want to take a text. Um, where the last time we've been looking at the pursuit of faith and the use of faith. And what we have been trying to uh, look at in the last few meetings is how our faith can grow. We know that faith grows. If our faith increases, we can get things done. Things that other people think or thought were difficult, with great faith, they can be accomplished. We know that reading from the scriptures. Jesus used to go around laying hands on people. He would speak to them directly. He would touch them. He would do different things. But a time came, he wanted to go and pray for one man. And the Lord of that servant said, you don't need to come to my house. Speak the word only, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus spoke the word only, and that man was healed, even though he was a great distance from that particular place. That tells us, therefore, that, I know Jesus now answered, he said, great is your faith. It tells you that the power of God covers great distances if the faith is great. Jesus did not have to go to that fellow's house and touch him. There was another woman like that. He also did not come with, she, she also, I wanted to say, did not come with her daughter. She, the daughter was at home, and she came to talk to the Lord Jesus. And because, according to the Lord Jesus, her faith was great, from where she was, her, her daughter at home got healed, even though Jesus never came near to touch the daughter that was gravely disturbed by an evil spirit. Now, what am I trying to say here? It shows, therefore, that faith is very important in our lives, and we keep on emphasizing this. I was listening to some messages over the week, and of course in the previous times. And one of the things I have, of course, I've read different teachings. And one of the things that keep confusing people, I just want to emphasize it again before we go back into our teaching. All right, just go to just um, discuss some of these things. I've taught this again and again here, but you can't say these things enough because you want to help people to understand truth. Many times people think that what happens is the will of God. I've said that again and again, it is not so. Many times what happens, or what we experience, are the things that had to happen 
because our faith, all right, was small. Because if somebody has small faith, something will happen. You see, that's how God wanted it. It doesn't mean that. It may not have been how the Lord wanted it. That only happened because faith was small. I hope you get my, what I'm going to say here. You know, sometimes people look at it. I've read many things. People try to emphasize the fact that, you see, I'll give an example. People say that um, if I was to a man that I really respect yesterday or two days ago, and I was teaching this thing again, I was trying to emphasize that, listen, God does not always heal. And I was trying to use that one to give the impression that don't try and force God to heal all the time. There are times it is not so disposed, all right? And he gave scriptures, many scriptures, that if you do not have deeper insight, you will be compelled to agree with him. But by the time he finished, I respected his opinion, but I said, no, these scriptures you give, or even the experiences you taught, all right? I'll give a very practical example, one of the examples he gave, that there's a woman that was in hospital, she was ill, and um, he went to see the woman, and the woman said, lay your hands on me so that I may get well. And he said, look, you, don't have to, you shouldn't be quick to do that. That he decided to seek the face of God first, whether he should. Now, he looked, I mean, that sounded like a good thing that should be done. So he and the woman agreed that we'll go and pray and see whether we should pray or leave you to die. Are you getting my point? And, of course, and they went home. And when he returned, he said by the time he was coming back, he felt in his heart that what God wanted was for them to leave the woman and let her die. She was ill. And by the time, but she did not, he did not know how to tell her. But when he got there, the woman also had the same feeling. As soon as he entered, the woman smiled and told him not to bother with the prayer, that he's, she's convinced that God wants her to come home, all right, and go up to heaven to be with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I thought about it. Is that possible? Most certainly. Let's not dismiss it entirely like that may not happen. We know there was a time God told Moses, you are coming home tomorrow. Are you getting my point? And no matter what Moses said, he said you are coming. Now, so that happens once in a while. But when we want to use that experience that I just narrated to you to judge whether it's the will of God or not, I was not persuaded because I know that, you see, God is a judge. Maybe he has looked at the situation and it looked and said the extent, the, the amount of work I need to do to get this woman healed, the two of them combined don't have that faith. I, I hope, are you, well, I get what I'm going to say here. And he has judged it and he said, okay, for that reason, yes, let her come home. Now we look at it and said God wanted her to come home. But God had looked and said it to be an unnecessary battle because I have seen their hearts. I have seen the state of their spirits. And both of them combined cannot drag enough faith to bring this thing to pass. The man is not even confident enough. The woman too is questioning. For that reason, let me leave these people. And so he ministered to both of them individually, let her come home. They judged that this means that God wants her to come home. Listen to me, it is not always like that. It is a small possibility. But see, faith is very important. Many things that God wants to do, he can't do them. I like one story, a similar story, but this time around from the man, Kenneth Hagin, that I heard. There was a woman in her 60s, I think um, getting to be 70 thereabout, who was seriously ill. She had cancer and she was wasting away. And this man was a young preacher in his 30s. And he and his friend went to meet the woman and said that, listen, we need to pray so that you will get well. And the woman said to them, no, leave me, let me die, let me go home. I have served the Lord. She had been an evangelist since she was a young lady. All right, now she's old. And she said, I have served God, just leave me and let me die. And the young preacher said, I can't let you do that. Are you getting my point? And, he, and after some argument, he said, all right, fine. You want to die, you will die. No problem. But let's come to an agreement. This, your death is not good like this. Why is cancer wasting you away? Get healed first. Then we'll leave you to fall down and die. Are you getting my point? If that is the way you want it. 
So when they, when they got her to think like that, at least for one moment she agreed with them. So according to him, it took them weeks first to persuade her to want to leave. Then after they persuaded her to want to leave, they began to minister the word of God to her. It took a while, but eventually that cancer, she was wasting away. She was giving up for dead. The doctors had given up hope entirely. But she became totally healed. And next time, the woman ministered for another 20 years before she finally died. I hope you are getting what I'm going to say here. We could have looked at the beginning and said, no, it's not necessary. It was the perfect will of God. But what God could have, if they were not like that, God could have said, all right, they said, what do we do? They say, leave her. Why? She wants to come home. Leave her. You guys don't have enough faith. So let's leave this matter. So we'll have said, okay, that's how God wanted. But when God is judging, when God is decreeing, many, many times what he's doing is to give us things that are the only things we are willing or able to accept. And that's what I'm trying to explain to us believers, that we have to kindle our faith. We have to stir up our faith. We have to aim for something so that great things, because if God wants to do something great, it will not happen until somebody can draw it down from heaven. If God plans to bless the whole earth, this is how what he does. He goes around looking for somebody that he can train, that he can train in faith. When the fellow has been fully trained, then the fellow cannot draw down from heaven what God wants to use to bless the earth. That's just the way it works. It is not as if because God has proposed that, listen, Israel must leave captivity after 70 years, it will just happen. No. He had to go and train somebody. Daniel had to be trained and taught. And then one day, he stumbled into a scripture that says that 70 years, according to the word of Jeremiah, this is what's going to happen. At the end of that 70 years, he began to pray and bring deliverance to the earth by faith. Are you getting what I'm going to say here? When God wanted to remove Israel also from captivity, he had to train Moses until Moses could bring deliverance from heaven by faith. When God wants to deliver a country, he has to train you, all right, and your neighbor, and me, and somebody else near your house, until your faith is great enough to draw blessings from heaven. What Satan does, let me tell you something about life eh, and challenges. Don't worry about challenges that they come. They will come. They will come. They will come again and again. Pray for nothing tomorrow. They will come. But listen to me. Each challenge is meant to build your faith so that something greater in life tomorrow, you can draw it down from heaven onto the earth that God wants to do. God wants to do something does not mean it will happen automatically. You and I have a responsibility. As I'm talking about the issue of a purpose of faith, you see it. The problem in life is that, you know, we get so much focused on faith being the way by which we get little things. We get so much focused on faith by which we just get our needs met. But that's not it. What God, the ultimate person of faith on this earth, Jesus Christ, what he did was to, by his faith, bring deliverance for everybody on this earth. So that whosoever will believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. He never, for one second, used his faith for anything that was personal for him to gain. What was he going to gain? He had equality with God. There was nothing else to gain. But what did he do with faith? To bring deliverance from heaven so that you, me, every one of us, our descendants, the generations of the earth, all right, will all be saved. And this is the point. That is what everybody is supposed to do. Faith is not about, let me get some more money. Let me tell you what faith is about. Faith is about, listen, all right, I have food. Enough. I have enough money. My children can go to school anywhere in the world. I can buy anything I want. Yet I wake up every day and I'm calling an investment to be by faith. Ignorant people will say, what else is he looking for? Because they don't know anything more than their pocket. Are you getting my point? They don't know anything more than food. Sometimes I see educated people talk and I say, no wonder there is poverty. You see a whole professor, I'm thinking of an experience now, trying to tell me that once a man has a house, he has two cars, and he can pay children's school fees, everything is okay. 
And if anybody has too much money, you go and check the money is not clean. I say, you, your generations, you will be poor. Because, you know, this mentality. And prosperity, I've explained again and again, for us believers, it's not about money. It is about, listen, I'm sitting at home. Because, listen to me, this free education the federal government is giving every day is going to keep on disappearing. Now, so life be. All right? Don't think I'm speaking evil. Now, so life be. You know now, state governments cannot, listen, wake up next year, you will see what will happen. State governments, they are going to double school fees because they can't continue paying salaries. You know now, if you want education that is good and cheap, you go to a federal university. If you want, then after that you go to a state university. Then, if you're talking about universities, once you go beyond these two, your money must be complete. Are you getting my point? Have you heard people sometimes, now we're digressing, I don't know how to fit into our message. Many times they were angry with somebody like Bishop David Oedipo. That, uh, how can he be charging this amount of money? He didn't get to the university. One day I told somebody that he's of the very good universities, he's the cheapest. There's none cheaper. Do you know anyone cheaper? You can shout it out loud. That you can rank close to them, that you will first choice want to go. The other people are double the prices. I'm saying, hey, what are they doing with the money? These are mission schools I'm talking about. They're not doing anything with the money. They're not carrying it home. That's how expensive it is to provide that thing. Have you ever asked, gone to the market? All oh, you tomato sellers, what are you doing with the money? Have you asked that question in recent times? You don't ask that because you no know, tomato, get the tomato is the problem. It's not whether they want it. Even they, they are crying because you are not buying as much as you used to buy. Everybody now has learned how to cook strange soups. Yes, you won't know. Ah, I love women. They manufacture food without tomato. You didn't know the recipe. So the recipe was on the internet until now. Very soon, I've told all of you. You will see women cooking soup with apple. <laughs> and the husbands can't talk. It's cheaper than tomato. <laughs> the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Now, what am I trying to say in all of these things? Okay. So we see these are the real cost of this. They are expensive. And God now says, okay, for that reason, those who are poor, don't go to school again. Those who can't raise a millionaire a year, don't go to school again. Will he say that? No. But he's just going to be watching everybody. He will tell his children, wake up. Download blessings. So that you will sit down and say, please, oh, in this community, we have 10 scholarships for children that otherwise cannot pay. And it won't stress you at all. That is what they call prosperity. Listen, it's not whether you will eat extra. It's that as the schools are building, as they are increasing in number, as they are getting more expensive, you will walk to one school and say, I like what you guys are doing here. Listen, this is scholarship I want to drop. Any child of this category that comes in here scores this amount of uh, marks, okay? Send him through school for good years. Tuition on my, on my bill. You won't know him. You don't care. But you are sure that every year, 20 new students go to that school, that their parents don't have to worry about how they will pay their fees. That is what is called prosperity. I hope you're getting my point. And those things must be downloaded by faith. Someone will stand up and say, listen, while I live, this thing must happen. Children must go to, it's not everything, eh, federal government, how can school be so expensive? Forget it. Have you seen our current president? Everything he promised he wouldn't do, he's doing. Now, you know why? It's the reality. He stood down there and said, I don't know whether it's true or false. That they said he'll make one dollar one naira. The only way you can make one dollar one naira is to change the zero behind it. At the end of the day, that is, listen, I know what I'm telling you. You're not be deceiving yourself that naira is now more valuable than dollar. That is not the issue. End that new one. Let us see. 
That is what we are calling value. They say he promised. I don't know whether he did or he did not. I was not there. They say he promised. Of course, I, this one, I heard it. He will never devalue the Naira. He will never agree to devaluation. Political promise. Now, the man has agreed to devalue the Naira. It's just that he didn't call it devaluation. They use no, politics. They were careful to not call it devaluation, that they will not allow Naira to be affected by market forces. It's not devaluation, no. We didn't devalue it, though. It's just market forces. You know why he's doing all of that thing? That's the reality. It's not because he's wicked. Some people say that, you see, when he was campaigning, he said otherwise. You too, when you are campaigning, what else would you have said? You will come and campaign. Jonathan is doing well. Everything is perfect. The value of the Naira is good. Fuel is well supplied. Vote for me. Who is wrong with that? No, you, no, I'm not saying it is right. I'm just telling you that some people, some, when they come, they'll be telling me that, hey, but that was not what he promised. As a politician promised, and you were listening. Obama promised, 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 promised. The only people he fulfilled his promise to were the homosexual people. One day he confessed that I have discovered that to change Washington, you have to change it from outside. Meanwhile, he spent all his life hoping to go inside, to change it from inside. The first two years, he said, I've made a discovery that changing this place from inside is not possible. You know what that means? This place is not changeable. Because he was outside, he could not change it. He's inside, he discovered it cannot be changed. Now, what am I saying? There are realities there. Why is our president, why does he seem to be changing his mind? Because of realities. If you know the man, if you listen to him carefully, he's a socialist at heart. But man, when he enters power, everybody says, oh, guys, sit down. That's your socialism is expensive. Somebody has to pay. With all the love we have for Fashola, the first thing he declared is, I'm jacking up power price by twofold. And they say, why are you doing that? He said, it's the only way you will have power constant. They said, provide the constant power first. He said, it's not possible. I heard him say it. He said, because the only way to put money, in, the only way to get more power generated is to invest money. The money only comes from banks. And banks won't give you a dime until they see how you are going to repay them. And at the current tariff, all right, they can't collect their money back, so they will not release a dime. Yesterday I said in the news, the guy said, no way. The price has to go up. These are the realities. And in America, you're trying to run to. That is more, what I say, power is three times costlier there. That's the reality. If, listen, if you work decently, you have a fairly well-paying job, 60% of your income goes to paying tax, rent, power. That's all. 60% of everything you earn. So don't think there's cheap power. And, <laughs> I don't know whether you're getting my point. There are realities out there. But then, what did God say? God said, because of that, everybody sleep. Don't move again. He didn't say so. He said, you need to download a blessing from heaven. I hope you are getting my point. Yes, you need to. Things may become harder, but you need to bring down light from heaven. And my emphasis today is that that light comes by faith. If we don't stir up our faith and build up our faith, many things that God wants to do will not get done. People, children of God especially, they don't think in life because of the circumstances. Jesus said it categorically. When they sink, it is because of unbelief. When they sink, it is because of lack of faith. When the disciples were shouting, don't you see we're about to drown? He woke up and said, where is your faith? That was the question he asked. He was not concerned about all oh, my enemies that said that we drown in this water. Holy Ghost, fire. He, that was not his issue. The question he asked them, what happened to your faith? 
But you know what we all do? We gather. The Fulani men are invading us. That's what we do. There are some Nigerians that hate Dangote. I don't know how you can have sense and hate that man. Honestly, if you don't like him, maybe you know something I don't know. Come and tell me after. One day I was speaking in my office. I was just thanking God for what he's doing through his servants. Aleko, Dangote. Now I know he's not a Christian. Okay? But I thank, I thank God for what he's using him to do. Okay? I mean, yesterday, two days ago, uh, Fashola commissioned a 25 or 28 kilometer road that Dangote built. Have you heard that before? Cement road. May, may God bless you like that. Amen. Say amen now. Amen. Some people are just angry with the man. One man in my office was speaking the other day. When I said that the man's refinery will start producing for next year, and then we'll stop importing. He said, hey, we'll be, we'll be slaves to this man. Right now, you are slaves to people abroad. I don't know whether you're getting my point. You are importing from somewhere. You know what I'm saying all of these things? If these blessings are going to come, hmm? if you will be able to build your own road, if you are going to be one that people will reason about like that, it has to be by what? By faith. Read this man's story, Strive Masiwa, all right, of Econet. The man described how to tap into the power of life to do your business. Strive does not give anybody a dime in bribe. You can't extort him. He rather shut down his business than give him money. That was why they drove him out of Nigeria at that time. Eventually, he was vindicated. He won. He said he needed money. He prayed, declared the word of God, reached inside and took on the power of life and raised $1.5 billion. I'm talking about what faith does. Faith is what makes it possible for you to look and say, enough power failure and your words will have power. Faith is what makes it possible. Instead of sitting down and saying, eh, it's our enemies. Okay, you know, actually, I was saying something earlier. I, 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 I missed my point. People now say that, hey, look at it, they are invading us. Dangote, he has Islamic agenda. Why is he Muslim? Have you heard of Islamic agenda before? Let me just advise you right here. Don't believe it. What did I say? When the breeze was blowing, whoo, 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 and they woke the Lord Jesus up. And they came, peace, be still. What did he say? Don't mind your enemies, they want to kill you. Was that what he said? What did he say? Where is your faith? When you see Christians afraid of Islamic agenda, ask them, where is your faith? When you see them afraid of, uh, of flanning headsmen, ask them, where is your faith? When they start shouting, we're about to drown, we're about to drown, ask them, where is your faith? When a man opened his mouth, like I was saying earlier, and said, hey, Dangote, he's an allergic, look at what he's trying to do, ask him, where is your faith? If your faith is intact, no circumstance outside can sink you. That's the point I'm making. No machination outside of the enemies can sink you. That's the point I'm making. The Lord Jesus looked and said, where is your faith? Please, can I address Islamic agenda for a few moments? Please, pardon me. Let me just digress again. Address it, then we'll get back to the matter of faith. People say there's Islamic agenda. And the people, sometimes when I talk, they think that it's because of people like me, the Islamic agenda will prosper. I say, why? Because I'm not taking it serious. 
I said, you see, I'm like Jesus Christ. I know where to put my energy. Everybody has a right to an agenda. Don't you have a Christian agenda? No, sorry, you don't have, most Nigeria, we don't have any Christian agenda more than build a bigger church. Raise money so that our cathedral can be bigger than the one next door. That is our problem. But the point is this, everybody has a right to his own agenda. The Muslims included. They have a right to it. You can't pr- God will never side with you if you say they shouldn't have an agenda. God in heaven, he's very fair. He will never side with you. When you go to his store and say, sir, they have an agenda, you know what he will ask you? Where is your own agenda? Agendas must be. What I want from you is your own agenda. Let me see how I can help you prosper your own agenda. If you don't have an agenda, don't tell me to stop those who have an agenda. Somebody forwarded one piece of um, crap to me the other day. That, uh, see, Jai's Bank. Is it Jay's Bank? How do you pronounce it? Jay's, Jai's, Jews Bank, whatever it is. That they've got, they awarded them what? National license. You heard that thing? And they see, you see, they have started Islamization of the banking sector. Why can't a man have a bank if he wants one? Why can't he have it? Please, I'm asking a question. People now say, eh, very soon our children will be going there to look for a job. Shame on you. Shame. Listen, I know nightclubs. Are you getting my point? In Enugu here. I even know where to find prostitutes. I'm sure if I dig around, I'll find where they sell cocaine. Now, I'm asking for a question. I'm going to ask a question. Have you gone there? Has my, have my children gone there to look for work? You are getting where I'm going. If you don't like it, don't go there. That's the point I'm making. I know where the, in fact, I know factories that make cigarettes. I personally don't believe any Christian should work there. Even though they have national license. Why don't you believe a Christian should work in the place where they make cigarettes? I am a pathologist. And I know there is nothing good about cigarettes. Nothing good. It's evil from the beginning to the end of it. It's evil in its entirety. It doesn't bless anybody. It doesn't even make the smoker feel good. If you smoke and you feel good, it's because you have learned how to smoke. When you first started, you felt bad. It causes cancer. Of all the things that are legitimate on the earth, it's the number one cause of cancer. Now, this is the point I'm making. Please, let me go on. That's just a digression, okay? When I'm talking about it. But... What I'm saying is that even though cigarette companies, they have national license. I I, I've never heard any Christian say, eh, very soon our children will be going there to look for work. And they will not make them wear cigar to go to work. Because they say they will make them wear hijab to go to work. If you don't want to wear hijab, why are you queuing up at Jai's bank? You know, and they, you know people, Christians are very funny. The same people will run to Saudi Arabia to go and look for work. They won't complain. If not noticed... Wait, we are there. We don't complain. We run all over the Islamic world looking for work. If you really are sure you don't, you don't like to work there, come back home. When they send you dollar, end there. Don't collect it. 
I'll be making noise to me that Jays Bank has national license. Please, as president, I will give them all the licenses they need. You know why? I do not consider them a threat to the gospel. Let me tell you the threat to the gospel. You want to hear it? The inaction on the part of Christians. The Christians who spend all their money chopping life and will not advance the money, they won't send the money to go and preach the gospel in Islamic land. They are the threat to the gospel. The Christian that pays a tithe and says, God, take your 10, let me eat my 90%. Just make sure you protect me from the devourer as I'm eating my 90%. They are the threat to the gospel. The threat to the gospel is the pastor who takes the scriptures and twists it because he needs money in the church. That is the threat to the gospel. The main threat to the gospel is a church in a nation that does not have any agenda for promoting the truth. Either in politics, in their workplaces, or just to go on missions to spread the gospel of God. That is a threat to the gospel. Islamic headsman is not a threat to the gospel. Jais Bank and License is not a threat to the gospel. Those are not threats to the gospel. The problem is that we don't know the kind of God we serve. Let me tell you the kind of God we serve so that you will fear him some more. If he decides one day and he says, my people are doing what is right and they pray and the man says, I'm going to Islamize the country. You know what he'll do? He'll kill the man, kill all his sons, kill anybody that bears his name, turn his house to rubble, Make the sound of his name an anathema in the ears of people. That's what he does. He is a God that sends one angel to the camp of the Assyrians and kills 185,000 soldiers overnight. He is a God that sends 300 men to scare away a whole army of Midianites and their allies. And they will disappear. Because 300 men that are not carrying guns Showed up. That is the kind of God you serve. He's the kind of God that drowns all the Egyptians in a few hours because they dared to pursue the people of God into the parted Red Sea. That is the kind of God you serve. He's a God that said, Kiss the son, lest he be angry, and then you perish out of the way. That is the kind of God you serve. He does not consider Jai's bank license. A threat to his gospel. Christians talk stupidly. They are afraid. When they hear Islam, they pee in their trousers. And they say, pray, pray. They are coming. Go, go, pray, pray. God says, shut up. You go. Let them pray because you are coming. When the church was threatened, what did they ask God for? They said, God, empower us. So that when we mention the name of Jesus, the sick will be healed. He said, now behold your threats. So what are you going to do? Now this is what you are going to do. You will give us boldness to speak your word. So that we will not love our lives. So that we will not be afraid. When, we are, when arrows and bows are aimed in our directions, we won't be afraid. And then we will call on the name of Jesus. Lord, please quickly do a miracle. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Do signs to show that Jesus indeed is alive. They did not say, Lord, give us a seat in the Sanhedrin. Give us people who will speak for us in Abuja. 
What do we find in our churches? Entertainers. They have taken the place of miracle workers. The heaviest paid people in, in church, in church, in church um, activities now are musicians and comedians. And it's not new. Spurgeon said, say Spurgeon, there a time will come where instead of sin, is it um, a shepherd feeding the sheep? You will see comedians entertaining the goods. Yeah, that's what he said. He said clowns, that's what he said. You will find clowns entertaining the goods. Is that what we are seeing these days? Listen, why did I get into that? Yeah, why did I even get into Islamic agenda? Yes, thank you. I remember what I'm saying. Yes, thank you very much. So many times when you see, I digress into that. Listen to me. I, and I know where I was, so let me continue there and I'll be able to come back. <laughs> Listen, the truth is that, let me tell you about Nigeria and life generally the way God ordained it. The problem with a nation like ours is the church. The problem with the church, let's talk about it briefly, is that we don't know what matters in life. We preach the gospel of prosperity in such a manner that everybody thought that what faith is, okay, is what I can grab with it. I can change my car by faith. I can take my wife and my children on holiday to any part of the world by faith. I can eat anything I like by faith. Things that are not recorded, not one example of that in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Talking about what faith does. We spend money time, energy, trying to build bigger churches, buy better cars, live better lives. That was why God got angry. And said, that dollar, how much is it? The angel said, 120. He said, make it 360. He said, why, Lord? I want to make sure they don't like to travel again. That, it's called breaking the staff of bread. When we are preoccupied with eating, God breaks the staff of bread. He said, such were they in the days of Noah. They were busy eating and drinking. Marrying and being given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. Nothing wrong with drinking itself. Nothing wrong with marrying itself. But the problem was that men were preoccupied. And serious things were happening. Acts were being built. They did not participate. Then when they now see... I'm sorry. You know God said something. I will discipline them with the rod of men. Listen, when they now see... Muslims strategizing to advance their own kingdom. They say, look at it, they have Islamic agenda. Shame on you. Who doesn't have an agenda? Shame on the people that don't have an agenda. Shame on them. They have no agenda. They are there, I mean, running each other down. The other day I was in um, on the chair many years ago. Let me not mention in one of these big Orthodox churches. I was one of their guest speakers. They had this massive program. So, one of my hosts pointed something out. That when they began their own... Okay, I will tell you. What is it? Let's just say it. The Anglicans have this massive program. They do. Alright? Annually. I don't know whether... I, I've not been there in, the, in, in years. But I was one of their guests one of those years. So, my friend said that, if I notice, right under the road, the Catholics too started another program. And he was laughing. He said, you know why? That their own was always happening. And of course, the whole city will come. 
they will have teachings. If I, I was one of the teachers invited, they have different classes. They gave me a number of classes to teach, but I'm supposed to teach the same thing again and again so that people can go through. There are 12 classes. So one of the classes was mine. So that anybody that attends, I was supposed to teach, I think, two or three times. I can't remember for sure now. But that if I teach the same thing three times, at least somebody will be able to attend three different classes. So today now they can come to my class. Tomorrow they go to another person's class. So the whole week, they said that the candidates saw that, eh, eh, see how people are going there. They started their own program. And you're now blaming the Muslim for having an agenda. They will have an agenda, and they will build a central mosque in the nature. All of you will go there. Why? Because when God gave you the opportunity, you were so busy trying to be, make sure your people don't go to the other place. <laughs> you are blaming people who are united for having an agenda. There is no agenda that is strong enough to withstand the agenda of the church. How do I know? Because Jesus said it. Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Gates are barriers. That is, he expects that if the church is moving, nobody can stop the advance. But the problem is that the church is not moving. Then they sit down where they are, and they are afraid, just loving people, they are coming. They are coming, they are coming. All they do is build massive projects. No advancement. We pump all our monies down to the south. Most, most of these are big churches. They gather money from all over the countries, pour it down to the south. What do they do with it? Build bigger, build bigger, have more, you know, bigger projects. Continue like that. And one day you will be wiped out entirely. The only thing that protects the church, the only way it survives is if it keeps advancing. If you don't want the threat from the north to come and crush you, the so-called Islamic agenda, the only defense that God has given you is to build a Christian agenda and start moving the gospel in that direction. You can't sit here and expect God to build a barrier. Never. He won't, he won't build a wall to protect you. The church that is walled in always collapses. The prophecy about the church is that Zion will be a city without walls. It must continue to advance, continue to grow. Of the increase of its government and of peace, there will be no end. You cannot, you have no chance against any Islamic agenda if you don't have an agenda for the advancement of the gospel. You see Europe? You see Europe? God has given them over to Islam. He will spare only one or two countries. Just like he spared Judah for David's sake. He won't spare more than two. Why? They hated the gospel so much. God said, fine. All of you will be Islamic. You can't pray it to not happen. That's what I'm explaining. God said the destruction is determined, overflowing with righteousness. Why will it not happen? Germany, that was a foundation for undermining the validity of the scriptures. Last year, they allowed in one million Muslim immigrants. One million. They don't have children anymore. You know why? If the man manages to marry, if he has one child, or maybe one and a half, he don't try. You know what I'm going to say? A lot of them can't even try because it's Adam that marries Steve. Eve has married Evelyn. 
And if you say it is not of God, they say you are a bigot. They've attacked the church so much. If the church speaks the truth, fight. Yet they are unable to challenge a Muslim that is talking. It's only churches they drag to court to, com- to conduct uh, homosexual marriages. They don't have the guts to ask a Muslim to do it. They are too afraid. But the Christians are afraid to go to jail. He's the one they drag to court all the time now. That he refused to conduct homosexual marriage. He's the one. And God said, all those who persecuted them, no problem. I have my problem with my people. But those who persecuted them, I will give them, all of them will bow down to Allah. As of now, I think there are more Muslims in the UK than Christians. A few weeks ago, they elected their first mayor of London, who is a Muslim. David Paulson said it more than 20 years ago, that God spoke to him, that UK will become an Islamic country. In my generation, it is happening. But Nigerians are not real. They say, okay, fight. you can't fight what God has given. Listen, Neko said it now to the king of um, um, Judah. Have I come to do this of my own will? Get out of the way. The king of Judah attacked him. He killed him. Why? Because you are opposing the counsel of God. God said, I should go and destroy Israel. Listen. See all those countries that arrest Christians. If you read Romans chapter 1, in England, they will arrest you. God said, you did not serve the Lord thy God willingly. You will serve a difficult God forcefully. My main message, my main message actually, is that the only protection is not that prayer you are praying. Is get up, have your own agenda, and advance the gospel with your agenda. Have your own agenda, and advance the gospel with your own agenda. You cannot stop the advancement of Islamic agenda until or unless you have your own gospel. He said, what are you saying? That Islam will advance that forever. No, 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 no. God has timing for everything. He does. When the, when, when the tree has reached its peak, that's when God judges it. But until the time of his judgment, you can't do anything. Apart from get your own agenda, advance that agenda, then God will bless you and he will confirm the word that says of the increase of his government and of peace, there shall be no end. Upon this rock, this revelation, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the only defense you have. That's why I bless God for people like my friend, Pastor Courage. One day I went to preach for him. Why did he invite me? He said he's starting a new branch in Sokoto. So he wanted me to come and sow the seed of the word in the place. Preached there for three or four days. As we're driving through time, he was showing me this is where Sokoto is expanding to. He said he's praying now that God will give them land inside there. He needs a third branch inside Sokoto. People have been counseling him. When are you leaving and coming to Abuja? So that the, so that the gospel can stop spreading by his hand. And the same people will now come. And that is an Islamic agenda. When God has given them over to the agenda. You don't have your own agenda. You must fall for somebody else's own. 
You don't have your own agenda. Child of God, listen, you must fall for somebody else's agenda. If the church in this nation <laughs> wants to be preserved, they had better get their acts together and develop real agendas. And stop building fanciful churches. Start investing the money in the missions and advancement of the gospel. Listen, it's not a good you will pray, listen, you will pray and say, God, this one that um, Boko Haram has been cleared from most of um, Zambisa Forest and Bono State. Father, in the name of Jesus, send laborers into your harvest field. You know what we say? God, bring out laborers from that harvest field. No. The prayer should be, Lord, send laborers into the harvest field. Because those who he will send are not those who try to go. He will pour a spirit of go, go inside them. They will not be able to sleep in the city. When they go there, he will protect them. He will guard them. He will kill enemies for their sake. He will send detachment of angels to protect them. I want to say something, it sounds prophetic. But he won't give them money. That's not a doctrine. That's not scripture. I think it's a prophecy for Nigeria. Because you know, I won't give them money. I will make those of you that pray that prayer send the money. You can't send angel to protect, don't worry. That's my job. But if you don't send the money, I will punish all of you. You will buy a car brand new, I will burn it 12 hours after. And you only manage to get out of it alive. I will wreck it on the express road. You will build an expensive church. I will collapse it when only a drizzle fell. Twelve noon, it will collapse. You will invest money, the ship will sink. Because you want to hide in your panel houses. While the house of God is not advancing. I want to be making one nonsense noise about Islamic agenda. Because if you don't arise and do what you want to do, I will turn all of you to Muslims. The truth, however, is that if the church will arise and advance, there is no enemy outside there that can withstand the advance of the church. The Roman Empire persecuted and persecuted the church. This is the interesting part. I was listening to David Paulson yesterday, and he said, in today's England, Christianity got there within 40 years after the death of Jesus Christ. Brought there by Roman soldiers. The same people persecuting the church, that nation was the one that they were the ones that brought the gospel down to the rest of Europe. Their soldiers brought the gospel to today's England. Evidence abounds to prove that that is true. The same people persecuting the church, God made them build roads upon which Paul and Co. traveled to advance the gospel. Those who persecuted the church in Jerusalem were the ones responsible for the advancement of the kingdom. The Bible said the church that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the gospel. If they had not persecuted them, they would have stayed in Jerusalem. Listen, this God we are serving, forget it, he's not a God, he's not afraid. Muhammad cannot threaten him. One million suicide bombers don't make him 
They don't make him bat an eyelid. The only problem he has, Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? That's all. But Christians like to talk as if God is afraid of Islam. God said, what is Islam? Go and see what I did to communism. If you're talking about threats, communism, communism was worse. Communism, they were not doing suicide bombing. They were assassinating leaders and replacing leaders. You see small war in Syria. Why was there war in Angola? Because there was USSR. The moment USSR collapsed, the war in Angola ended. Why was there war in Vietnam? Communism. Communism was so strong, the represent said one day, he looked at the map. And if you have not checked the map, go and check it. Even me, when I was listening to the message, I didn't understand. Until one day I looked at the map and saw what the man was afraid of. He said he saw Russia on one side. And he saw China next to it. And he realized that if two of them can ever agree, and these were the two major communist countries on the earth, he said, if these two people agree, the rest of the world is dead. He said, there will be one monolithic block. And the day I saw the map, I knew why the man was afraid. Russia is a, USSR at that time, massive country. Right next to them, China starts. Massive country. He said, if these two people combine, that's like half of the world's population under communism. He began to pray. He said, Lord, divide their tongue. <laughs> After that, the people began to quarrel with each other. Later, a few months ago, I watched a documentary about it on um, one of these documentary channels, Adal Discovery World or National Geographic. And they explained what happened. The fight began over share nuclear technology with us. The Russians never saw the Chinese as equals. So the Chinese were offended 